hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. For the latest news and information about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from your tech. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And we do it each and every week. Thanks to the good people at uh, Netgear, netgear.com.au for more information about all their cool networking products. But I'm joined each and every week by Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. G'day, Trevor. Great to be with you again once again. The, so episode 145, isn't it? We are kicking through the episodes. Uh, 145, lots to talk about, including a very, very big birthday, which we'll get straight into. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, it's not your birthday. Uh, it's not my birthday. It's my birthday soon, though. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure I'll get a text message <laughs> reminding me of that, and I'll have to come yeah. around with a present or something. Uh, and it's not Two Blokes Talking Tech, although that is very soon also. That is, it is just it's also this weeks month. away. The yeah. 22nd of February, as I That's recall. Correct. Is yes, you remembered. Episode. However... <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, I've just looked up the, the RSS feed oh, and no, I sort of looked at episode one. Um, but oh. the, the bigger anniversary slash birthday is Facebook, uh, 10 years old today. And, and you know what, when you, when you think about it, it is a phenomenally, uh, huge change in the way, the way we live, the way we communicate, the way we learn about birthdays. Uh, and I think it's great to look back, and that's my favourite thing that Facebook's done, other than you know celebrating and, and showing it, is they've created a situation where any Facebook user can go in and, and actually look back at an automated video that's been created through basically using your best moments and a filtering of photos here and there to give you a bit of a sense of your journey through Facebook. And I've got to be honest, I thought it was fantastic, a really good snapshot of key moments. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, it's it's no surprise that my feed now is full of these videos. Everyone sharing their their highlights, which uh, yeah. it's only a minute long. So uh, it, it, I'm only watching uh, every second or third one. I'm uh, not watching all of them, but um, yeah, Facebook ten years ago, and, and I quite like what you shared on Facebook. Your very first status, <laughs> Trevor, made me laugh. You know, Trevor's very funny. first status on Facebook was Facebook, Facebook. is stupid. <laughs> July twenty seventh, July twenty seventh, two thousand and seven, and I look back at it now, and because I was on the radio doing um, Chip for Brains with Brian Wilshire on Two GB, and you know I just didn't get it. Uh, I had a website, trevorlong.com. It's where I shared photos and all this kind of stuff, and I kept saying, if you want to know me, go to trevorlong.com. Facebook is silly, um, and it's a good we, thing they never came to you with uh, offer you an investment opportunity. You would have knocked it on the head, wouldn't you? And I'd be kicking. I probably would have done more than kick myself by now. I would have August the 18th I've said still hating Facebook there's even a time I, I can't I think it's uh late in uh, in 2007 so my my mood shall we call it uh went on for a little while where where I actually said something like uh not sure what to talk about on the show tonight you know I was on a Thursday night and I've said uh um you know I think I'll just bag Facebook for the fun of it <laughs> Just you know, this is this is six seven years ago. Okay, so 
Six but and a half years ago. A lot since then. Well, let's let's admit that. It, uh, mm. From what we saw, and it was dramatized very well in the film The Social Network, if you haven't seen Absolutely. that. I'm sure you've, you've even seen that, Trev. Yep. It was dramatized quite well in that February the 4th, 2004, when Zuckerberg actually put up Facebook online. It was called The Facebook back then. Mm. And uh, the legal stoush that ensued, I think uh, that was sort of the main subject matter of the film. But hasn't it come a long way? And, and you know yeah. what surprised me? It... it um, the the it did evolve quite quickly, um, and the like button wasn't introduced until I think it was two thousand and nine yeah. before we saw the like button. Which is one of the reasons why those videos won't include much stuff from back then, because but before then, because they don't have any measure of the popularity of a post. Now, yeah. uh, it's also interesting as I look back at my statuses from two thousand and seven, and I've got one here that says concerned my status is deleted after a week. So it was because at the time it was just, you know, something you said and left out there for people, whereas now it's, you know, it's minutes and it's gone or or hours and, you know, it's just changed so much. And then you add a whole bunch of friends and it really becomes a whole different thing. And the photo thing is amazing to me too. You look at the number of photos we used to share compared to what we share now. I mean, but it hasn't changed for me because in 2007, I was sharing photos of the Asus EPC when it was first released, a (laughs) MacBook Pro um, you know, my messy office, you know, it was all there. Yeah. But I, I think, um, so the, 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 the site though, just by the numbers is quite impressive. Mm. It, it, uh, it was launched in February, 2004 by December, there was already a million users. And you got to remember this was intended for college students to, to, to connect. So yeah. it went across the U S went spread like wildfire in, around the colleges. And then it wasn't until 2006, September, 2006, when Facebook was then available to everyone. So everyone kind of caught the bug. I think I jumped on, I think it was, at, I think early or late, late 2006, early 2007 is when I first discovered it. Um, but it then grew and grew across cr- 500 million users in July 2010, but then only took two years from then to double to a billion. Mm. So 20, 2010 had 500 million and then had a billion in 2012. That, that's just how rapidly it grew. And here in Australia, more than half the population is on Facebook, 12.8 million users. And as I've said before, 9 million people in Australia using it each and every day. Active um, users, yeah. You know... Uh, I just it's it's kind of making me a bit uh, I don't know whether it's making me worried or what about looking back at my status from back then but I haven't changed I'm just so boring because I was just doing technology in cars I'm just taking <laughs> photos of cars that I'm driving technology that I'm using uh it must be completely boring because it's I'm doing the exact same thing now <laughs> just... you, you you look at though what we share and and I've said this many times on the show before Facebook is the internet for most people that that's, yeah, that's their right. world yeah and and I look back and the highlight reels are really uh, sort of quite touching some of them because like in your case, you would have seen your kids, even in my case, yeah. you see your kids growing up, you know, so it's Man, your way to share born. with the world, with your friends, what's going on in your life. So I, I think from that perspective, it, it is quite satisfying. But um, what about this talk, though? Recently, Princeton were the ones predicting that Facebook's going to gonna die. It's going to, by 2017, they're saying that 80% of users will have deserted the site. Do you think that's yeah, a little whatever. bit uh, a bit out there, that research? I think it's lunacy because, you know, you can't create something new in that space of time. You look at Twitter, it's it's big, but it's nowhere near as big as Facebook. Plus, it's completely different. It's now, a totally different character, that's it, right. Th- there's nothing on the horizon that, that even looks to threaten Facebook. 
Uh, and Facebook well, there is, is. It's called Instagram, and Facebook owns it. Well, but exactly, this is the point. Yeah. They're all their their biggest worry is the youngest of young people. You know, the the absolute early and mid teens, who may may not be using it now, but they they will probably evolve into it. Um, you know, yeah. it's one of those things that as your life changes, and and you know, you you you've seen this with your kids. I see people with babies, and I see people now using Facebook more because they've got things to share, and I think. That's yeah. the other thing. It changes as you change as, as an individual. Yeah. Frankly, I'd put my money on it being here. Um, I'd be buying Absolutely. shares, not selling. Well, just on on that, they're, they're saying that, uh, and I've got three teenagers myself, um, and they say they say to me that they don't use Facebook as much anymore. They're, they're, hmm. they're, they're not off Facebook. They're still checking it out yeah. occasionally. They're not as active as they were. But other other things like I mentioned Instagram, which Facebook owns, yep. but things like Snapchat and Kick, yep. they're the ones sort of sort of that instant chat yeah. uh, is becoming really popular with uh, with well certainly with my kids anyway, and and I'm sure with many others. But I think Facebook's still going to be kind of that bedrock that's still going to be there into the future. Because let's face it, your kids when your kids are old enough to jump to to be on social media, there's no doubt in my mind they're going to have Facebook, aren't they? They're going to there, jump on no Facebook. Doubt. There's no doubt in my mind, and there's no doubt in my mind they'll be using, they'll be trying to use anyway the kicks and the uh, WhatsApps and the Snapchats. But you got to remember, Facebook isn't for me. It's not a conversational place. It's a it's a sharing place where stuff stays, and I like the fact that it stays there. I mean, what's interesting to me, and we'll wrap it up here. But you know, back then, uh, I'm talking 2006, seven. Um, I, I, I with my business partner at the time, we were building websites that were built around the idea of sharing fo- family photos and. There was no really easy way of just sending photos of your kids on the internet and sharing it with friends. Uh, well, I mean, it was great. It worked. It was good. But there was absolutely no business model in it because suddenly Facebook just is the way to share photos. And that's what we have now. Yeah, absolutely so, right. Yeah, anyway. They weren't the first social network and they're probably not going to be the last, but they're certainly the biggest and the best at the moment. That's it. And uh, 10 years on, Zuckerberg's doing, he's doing okay for himself. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. A lot of smartphone customers, or mobile customers uh, for that matter, uh, are voting with their feet uh, most recently. Uh, Telsite mm. released some research to say that nearly half of all Australian mobile users have actually switched providers within the last three years, and mm. that's as a result of uh, bill shock, sort of an unexpectedly high bill. So they're on the lookout for better deals. And I, I think the whole idea of loyalty to an operator, I think, is a, it's a thing of the past now. Uh, the actual numbers, 46%, have changed to try find something better um, and you know, obviously driven by customer dissatisfaction. And the big winners here, though, are the MVNOs, the mobile virtual network operators, the Amasims and Aldis and Boost Mobiles and other companies of, of uh, like that. Uh, so I think the the real the, the the landscape has certainly changed a lot, and as I said, we're not scared to uh, to cut ties if we can sense a better deal. And what's interesting to me, um, you know, Boost, Amazing, Aldi, Kogan back then, you know, a lot of people switched because of the Kogan deal, and what what those people learnt, even though they were frustrated by the problems, was it's quite easy to switch. So they may switch now more regularly. And, you know, I, I say this to people all the time, and there's also research out talking about how people are more keen and willing to buy phones outright. The, the reason for that is is that it is it is more convenient. It is a better way to go when you when you give yourself that flexibility and freedom uh, that 
that that gives you the chance to move around. I just don't. There's so many people who don't realise you can switch tomorrow. I had a situation today where my plan with the carrier includes included value, and I was going over the included value, and I went, "What's going on here, mate?" Just by calling one three numbers, I was using up this eighty dollars worth of included value, and it only took a half hour call to Foxtel because I had a problem with my Foxtel, and a twenty minute call to Big Pond because I was wondering trying to change plans to use almost $80 worth of included value. You've got to watch out those adult numbers. They come back and haunt you, mate. Well, you know, thank God for the internet. Um, But but people people know they can switch, and and people are learning that. And I think people will switch more and more and more, and outright purchases will dominate. It's playing, though, right in the hands of companies like Amasim. Amasim actually were, as part of this survey that Telsite did some research, Amasim were voted uh, the top-rated provider Mm. ahead of Telstra. They need that. Uh, and and this, this looked at sort of things like network reliability, coverage, price, customer service. So this this whole factor, that the, well, what you mentioned before, how we're buying our devices rather than going on a plan, and this tendency for us to shop around, it's just playing right into the hands of companies like Amazing who, uh, let's face it, they're really keeping the big players honest. I think you're going to see from Telstra, though, a little bit of a shake-up uh, next month. Mm-hmm. There's talk that their plans are going to be toe turned on their head, a lot yep. more aggressive, a lot more competitive. Yep. They're also talking about improved um, uh, overseas roaming plan, international roaming plans as well. I know because I'm a customer and I got an email. <laughs> so that's coming in March as well. But I think you're going to see a whole range of plans they're going to be that are going to really challenge everyone else. But another thing of note too is that these these MVNOs, the your Amasims and the like, yep. don't have access to much 4G at the moment. They're only offering 3G yeah. HSPA services, uh, and 4G is obviously a huge growth area. That's kind of one of those uh, one of those pillars that that the the major telcos are hanging on to, and companies like Vodafone are making a bit of a comeback, a big comeback, because they've got they've finally got the the thing their their act together with good 4G, good customer service, and they're winning back a lot of customers. Yeah, it's it's a really important time for for the industry, uh, for consumers, because they're becoming more aware of of what they can do and how they can do it, and it's gonna it's a huge shakeup, and it's great. I think it's fantastic. Uh, if you want to read more about that survey and those results, just go to techguide.com.au. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. And uh, when it comes to networking, this cracking-looking device, it's uh, stunning to look at because it looks like a stealth fighter, the Nighthawk uh, Wireless AC 1900 router. Its uh, model number is the r 7000 it's amazing. It's a fantastic router that provides uh, unbelievable speeds. Uh, beam forming plus improves your range, your performance. Uh, High powered amplifiers and antenna that extend your Wi Fi coverage. Up and downstream quality of service. So you've got the best gaming and video streaming experiences, uh, as well as automatic backup and different things going on within it. So for people into gaming and streaming, uh, and also people who are on you know extreme mobile devices and using your mobile a lot. This this router will make a difference, and I'll, I'll give you the example. I had previously Netgear's pr- pretty much best uh, top-of-the-range router, the, the R6300. I whacked the Nighthawk in. I've got more coverage in my house, faster coverage, and wider coverage. It's fantastic. Check it out. It's selling like hotcakes to people at Netgear, tell me. The, the Nighthawk, you cannot miss it on the shelves, and it's around $319. Excellent product from Netgear, netgear.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.
Now, mate, I uh, I thought it was April Fool's the other day when I got this press release um, from Officeworks, of all people. A, because I never received a press release from Officeworks before, <laughs> uh, and B, because they were selling 3D printers. Now, this is something we've talked about for a couple of years. We've seen them at CES. Uh, there was so many of them at CES. This year, it was unbelievable. But I guess we'd never really even talked about when they would become retail products, but Fourteen ninety nine, dollars so $1,500, buys you the Cube 3D printer. This is a very basic 3D printer that um, that has cartridges full of plastic, not ink. Um, it's the same plastic they used to make Lego. Uh, and you can plug this thing in. It connects via Wi-Fi to your computer. It comes with 25 preloaded little designs like chess pieces and the like. And bingo, you can start being in awe of this device because I think, to be honest, that's what it's about. I want one because I just want to watch it make things. <laughs> that's that's true. No, and, and you're right. There was, I think, at CES 2013, there was probably maybe six or seven stands that had 3D printers. 2014, I think that number tripled. There was a huge number there, and that just goes to show that it's a real growth area in the market. Uh, this one in particular from Officeworks, is, it's a pretty basic entry level, even though it costs $14.99. Uh, it can print an object 14 centimetres by 14 centimetres by 14 centimetres in size. So they're, they're your dimensions. Um, and I think, uh, the, the, I think the, more, the, the more we see these, I think it's going to become uh, a lot easier to use. I think there's not many people with a lot of very good 3D modelling skills, let's no. face it. But there are some that come out of the box. Uh, as you mentioned, there is some software that you can also use. Uh, but I think down the track, the uses for this, I think it's a bit of a novelty at the moment. But imagine the uses for this, and, and we've already seen this in other industries like you know medicine and industry where they can print out body parts and parts for various machines yep. and things like that. It's, uh, it's a very interesting space, but I think – the real you're going to see real movement here is when that that, that price gets under a thousand bucks. And the thing about this is, I mean, if you've got fifteen hundred disposable income, go get it and you'll you'll love it. You know, you can download things on the internet, and I think this will be one of those things where you know how companies kind of do social media cool things because they want to be ahead of the pack. Uh, you mentioned to me, and, and I'm reading about it now. The the Honda. Uh, yeah, release today. They've got a, the new Acura is the, the name of their kind of American sporty brand, uh, kind of their Lexus to Toyota, but Honda's Acura. Their, their new NX, NSX, which is a sports car, they're going to make a 3D model available of that so you could download it and print it out and have a look that, at it. I mean, the that's idea clever of marketing. Isn't that clever? Because the traditional marketing is just a picture or a video, yeah. just a two-dimensional thing. Now you can actually print this thing out and hold it in your hand. That That's really smart. And that's this is the first of many things like this we're going to see, especially with this technology now literally coming into our homes. But you can buy it off the shelf now at Officeworks. So people are going to have these. That's a really smart move from Honda. And just one last thing on that, just to take it to the extreme and, and demonstrate to people where this could go. Uh, imagine you could buy a red transparent plastic uh, from Officeworks as a, as a cartridge. You put it in and you could print a new um, indicator light uh, cover for your car <laughs> because it's, because you ran into something and smashed it. Well, no need to go and buy a part. You just print it yourself. Yeah, um, you know, that's the future, mate. That's I think the future. We, should, we should take note too that it's not like you can whip these things up in a, in 30 seconds. No. Like there's the example that, that I've given in my tech guide stories. Uh, if you want to print up a smartphone case, it'll take about two hours to chess, do it. And a chess piece what it is does, 90 it creates, creates it layer by layer. So it melts the plastic filament coming in the back, creates a layer at a time until it builds up the whole object. And that can take some time. Check it out uh, at uh, techguide.com.au and eftm.com.au. Two blokes talking tech.
You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, Google had some news today uh, with uh, the release of the new HP Chromebook 11. Now, this has been a pretty highly anticipated product. We knew this was coming for a while, uh, and their very Apple-like launch today, uh, the, the device was actually available in stores from today. So not only did they announce they make, made all the big announcements, but you could buy it from today. And now being a Chromebook, of course, it's not a Mac, it's not a Windows machine. It's, it runs off the Chrome browser and then taps into all Google's online services and products. It's got an 11.6-inch screen. Uh, it's got nice rounded edges and a full-size keyboard, 2 gig of RAM, 16 gig SSD drive. Mm. Not not the best specs you may have ever heard on a laptop, but you've got to remember a lot of the processing, a lot of the storage, most of the storage is, is online. So if you've got a Google Drive, you've got up to 100 gigabytes of space that you can use for free for up to two years. Mm. Uh, but the, probably the one of the best things about it is the affordability, the price of this. If you're in the market for a laptop, $399.00. That's not. That's pretty competitive. Yeah, and there's there's real stats showing that these things are actually starting to take off, particularly in uh, education, for example, because really a lot of the things that that kids are doing at school are you know doc based. So you know Word, Excel, and and you know we know Google has Google Docs, and all those things can be done there. And if the whole class is doing it, then it becomes easier. And when you say that you need a three hundred or four hundred dollar computer instead of a thousand dollar computer let alone a fifteen hundred dollar computer it it becomes compelling and there's there's a real move towards this it's not taking over the world but by goodness me if microsoft doesn't watch themselves um with the way you know people are looking at windows 8 even though i think it's great people look at it and go what so that they may look at other options and i think the problem is really the only issue with these things is connectivity you have to be connected um, because you're living on the internet, essentially. Yeah, that's and true. You, you can use them offline, though. There is an offline mode, yeah, so absolutely. if you're writing a document, but uh, you, obviously you can't access your stored documents unless you've got a connection. Um, but you, you look at the companies that are backing this technology now. We've seen Samsung, Acer, now HP, a lot of companies now supporting this platform. And, and the good thing about it, too, is that uh, the, it, it, it automatically updates itself. Uh, the, it's pretty seamless how it does it. There's no virus problems. It's all done by Google in the back end. Hmm. So it's a really, a really like no fuss way to, to use your computer. You've got access to all your documents, the browser, lots of apps too. There's a, there's a, there's a Chrome web uh, store as well, so you can download various apps, including Angry Birds, all the popular yep. apps as well. So you're not missing out on anything. Uh, if, if anything, you're, you're saving on, on many things, especially at that $399 price. Absolutely. And uh, you can read more about it at techguide.com.au. And if you want to try one out, here's all you've got to do. Go to google.com forward slash Chrome. Download the Chrome browser and try and use it and nothing else. Don't open Word. Don't open Excel. Don't open the Internet Explorer. Don't open anything else. Just open Chrome and see if you can live in there. Because if you can live in that browser, you can you can live in a Chromebook. Great little product. Uh, check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, a couple of quick ones before we get to your important minute reviews. Um, Apple continuing this kind of celebration of of the Mac, the 30th anniversary of the Mac, now kind of moving towards celebrating the product, the, the connectivity of the world, the the, the ease of use of, of the product suite that they have. And they shot this really beautiful video um, entirely with iPhones, and it was all filmed on a, on a single day on many locations around the world, including Melbourne. The, the sunrise you see at the start is is from Melbourne. 
Um, well, I, when I heard about the idea, Stephen, I thought, yeah, okay, good idea, film, make a video based entirely on, on an iPhone. But this was a whole lot more extreme than that. They, there was an iPhone that was kind of the, the film camera, and then there was another iPhone which is running FaceTime back to a central uh, soundstage in America where the, where the director, Ridley Scott's son, I believe it was, was sitting, uh, directing the whole thing in real time over FaceTime, and then the video was sent back to the... I mean, it was just... It was an insane <laughs> way of... I don't know why they just didn't send 20 people out with, video, uh, with phones and then get the phones back at the end of the day. Yeah, well, I think there was a, there was a time, it was a time-sensitive uh, project that way. They had to do it uh, all on Jan 24, which... Still took them a week to get the video done. Yeah, well, but taking all the time zones into account, that actually went for 36 hours, that January mm. 24th date. Uh, and it, it's a really nice bit of uh, symmetry there with Jake Scott, son of Ridley Scott, who directed the famous 1984 Mac ad, uh, now directing the Celebration ad for that uh, nice piece of symmetry there. And and all shot entirely on iPhone. I think that just really goes to show how... what, what impressive uh, video you can capture Apple showcasing their own products as only they know how. They've uh, done a great job with that. Just to be clear, um, if you went to um, some of the places and tried to shoot this same video, you would need a camera rig, uh, you know, a lighting rig and different things as well. It wasn't just the iPhone. There was a lot of other things involved. But in terms of capturing the video, it is purely done on the iPhone. And I think you're right, mate. It just shows how fun, and this goes back to our Facebook conversation. I look some, I look back at the photos that I was posting in 2007, and I thought it was awesome, but the quality is appalling of those photos. And, yeah, and, and you well, know, you I look think, back at video from then as well. Yeah, well, they did. They did mention that the iPhone's the most popular camera in the world, and yep. uh, you know, they 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 showed how just how good they can do it with their video. I think it only runs, it only goes for about a ninety seconds. I think yeah. the video, but boy, fifteen locations around the world, including Melbourne, all shot in a single day, and that day happened to be January twenty fourth, which was the exact thirtieth anniversary of the Mac. So. Uh, Apple, once again, looking back, no, unusual for them, but I'm, I'm glad they did. I think it uh, showcased their products and, uh, and the celebration of a, a, an amazing event. And 30 years on, here we are. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, at CES, I uh, was lucky enough to come across another stand of a company that I've heard of, but really haven't looked closely at their products. I'm talking about Alcatel OneTouch. Now, this is actually a division of TCL. This is owned entirely by TCL. And Alcatel OneTouch is a company that produces Android smartphones and tablets. And I have to say, I was very impressed by the quality. Their main products they had on there was the OneTouch Idol X+. Uh, they had the OneTouch Pop C9, they're both smartphones, and also their range of tablets, the Pop 7 and Pop 8 tablets. Uh, now, I, I had a close look at them, and, and I have to say the quality was equal to something you'd expect from Samsung or Sony, but at a fraction of the price. The, the Idol X Plus, for example, it's got a 5-inch screen. Uh, it's got a you know, 441 PPI screen, so it's pretty high quality, 7.9 mil thick, 13.1 megapixel camera, really nicely designed and built. It's going to cost less than three hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, th- that's, that's is, hard. To, that's hard to compete against when, when it's such high quality at an affordable price. This is where, um, so Apple have this thing where they're way out there, and, and and Samsung and Sony are trying to create phones that compete with them in that Uber smartphone space. But I think they might be missing the point that the the mid price range, so this three hundred dollar area is really important because there's people that can't afford that big end and they do want to buy outright, as we talked about earlier again. 
But these things are really nice quality. And you think about things like there's a few mo- the the motos before Google sold it, uh, the the Nexus Five. You know, some reasonably priced products coming out that are very nice in the hand, very nice screens, and running almost stock Android. They're a good experience, and these things, as you say, when we held them and, and, and used them uh, at CES, hard to hard to fault the quality in the hand. Very impressive. I think you're going to see a massive growth area in smartphones is going to come from that mid-level market that yeah. you mentioned. Uh, it's not going to go at the top end, uh, maybe at the entry level, but this mid-tier, this $350 mark, is, is going to be probably the landing spot for a lot of people who are venturing into smartphones for the first time. And if they can get their hands on a product of this quality, these Alcatel One Touch devices, I think that you're going to see a lot of growth in that area. And and Alcatel One Touch, I think, were their Gartner figures were released. They're now number five uh, mobile manufacturer in the world. Mm. So that they're really progressing. They're really coming up uh, in that category. So expect to hear more from them in 2014. And remember, when we talk about the mid range, everything we thought was going to happen with Apple didn't happen. Their their five C is not a mid range phone. It's a seven hundred thirty nine dollar phone. So if Apple wants to compete in that growing space, they're going to need something in the middle so very interesting uh, kind of 18 months ahead uh, in the mobile phone space Uh, now really quickly before we go into your minute reviews um, (laughs) I I was talking um, to Peter Bell on 6PR last week about a, a crazy gadget that was a watch that had Inbuilt some little perfume receptacles that that would you know use scent on this watch, and very quickly after then you, you um, published this story on Tech Guide about Scenty, which is a an accessory. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, that plugs into your your headphone jack on your phone, and instead of having a flashing LED or a pink LED for email and a blue one for text messages and a yellow one for Twitter, eh, maybe you choose rose for Twitter and lavender for email and. Uh, coffee for a text message <laughs> yeah you can literally sniff out your notifications it's a comes from japan japan japanese inventors have come up with a few out there products i think this is uh this is uh, up there with them i'd say yeah but uh, it, it's to keep, able to give you notifications, it can even be programmed just to, to spray the scent out uh, through its little balloon at the top of your phone there. Uh, whenever you do, whenever you desire, it can even you can even choose the strength of your spray so that if it's just for yourself or someone next to you or for the whole room, you can actually program the strength of it as well. So, uh, Scenty, you can be sniffing it out already. It's uh, forty nine. No, it's thirty nine ninety nine US. Uh, plus, you got to pay for shipping. And each cartridge, because it takes a little cartridge to have your uh, choice of rose, strawberry, lavender, coffee. I'd prefer the coffee one. Rosemary, four ninety nine US for each of the cartridges. So if you really want it, it's like the you know those Ambi Pure, you know those mm-hmm. those devices mm-hmm. you can put that's sprayed by themselves. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those ads on TV? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like that on your phone. Um, that's the worst sales pitch for a device I've ever heard. I can't. If I ever come across someone with it, I'll pull it out and I'll put fifty dollars on the table and I'll smash it on the ground. Ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, Senti, check it out at techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. All right, so I'm a bit frustrated. Give me a break. Uh, the minute reviews, uh, the most important part of the show in some people's minds. I mean, email me if, email me if you agree. Um, or tweet me <laughs> at Trevor Long. You could tweet your support for Stephen Fennick at Stephen Fennick with a PH. But Stephen, today, the first product I love, I think this is a cracking little product from Sony. 
It is, yes, the Vio Fit. This is a multi-flip PC, they're calling this. It's part laptop, part tablet. It can actually be both. Uh, it's a 13.3-inch screen running Windows 8. At first glance, yes, it looks like a laptop, but a little flick of the screen, there's a little special hinge on the back of that screen. You can flip it 180, fold it back onto itself on the keyboard, and voila, you've got a key, you've got a tablet. 13.3-inch tablet, Windows tablet. The touchscreen works in tablet or Windows mode. Uh, there's plenty of ports, two USB 3 ports, HDMI out. Uh, but it can also be positioned as a viewing stand. So if you want to just flip that screen around, keep it uh, upright in a position so you want, might, might want to watch a movie, make a presentation, uh, it's in a comfortable viewing position. Now, uh, it's got a nice keyboard, full-size keyboard, nice wrist rest, big trackpad, uh, and pretty powerful too. It's got the Intel processor. Uh, it's got 4 gig of RAM, 8 megapixel camera on the back as well. So, yeah, all, all the uh, bells and whistles of your laptop with the bonus choice of converting to a tablet. It's priced at $1,699. That's the 13-inch model. There is a 15-inch model available as well. And you can check it out at techguy.com.au. The mobile home? Yes, it is. And this isn't a caravan. I was this is a, a Winnebago that lets you access Siri safely in your car. Now, Siri is uh, the, the voice control that you can use on your iPhone. Oh, Problem with Siri, button. though, is that you need to press and hold your home button to activate it. That's uh, illegal to touch your, your phone in the car, even in a cradle, reaching up and pressing and holding the Siri key. A little bit dangerous. What this is, it's a uh, device that actually replicates your home button and allows you to position it on, the, on your sun visor. So it basically gives you hands-free control of Siri. Now, by giving you that control, you can do all kinds of things with your phone. You can make calls, receive calls, make compose and send messages, listen to your SMSs, set reminders, post to Facebook, Twitter. You can do everything just by talking to your iPhone. Mobile Home is available now, US $79, and it's available from a website that I've linked on techguide.com.au called www.drivewithsiri.com. All right, another one in the can, episode 145. Uh, lovely to talk to you again, mate. Lots of very cool products there and more to talk about next week. Uh, as we said, you can follow us on Twitter at Trevor Long and at Stephen Fennick with a PH. Uh, com. will take you to the Facebook page. And, of course, if you are listening randomly somehow and you didn't subscribe, please go to iTunes, subscribe, have fun. Uh, and you can listen to Stephen's own podcast, the Tech Guide podcast, each and every week at techguide.com.au. Mate, talk to you next week. Yes, I will. Look forward to it, Trev. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.